Welcome to the Community Corner, the podcast powered by Bevy. I'm your host, Beth McIntyre. In this show, I interview community builders from all spaces in the industry. Stay tuned for actionable strategies to learn and community stories to love, all in 15 minutes. I'm excited to have our next guest, Victoria Cumberbatch, who is the community manager at Osmosis. Victoria runs the Osmosis Medical Education Fellows Community, a micro-community within the Greater Osmosis Organization. Today, Victoria talks about the difference between micro-communities and high-growth communities. She shares what it's like to wear multiple hats as a community manager and how she finds balance between work and life. All right, welcome to the Community Corner, Victoria. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you. I figure we can just dive right in. Can you describe what osmosis is and what you do in your role? Not osmosis like the science thing, <laughs> but your company. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So osmosis, the company, is a medical education platform or tool, and it's a place where med students can I'd like to say greatly improve their studies by supplementing with our tools. So the biggest draw that we have is that we create really interactive and niche medical illustrations that accompany a medical topic. So we make them into catchy videos. And I actually started as a voiceover artist. So love the content. Don't have a medical background. Learning the words was tough. Thank you, Miriam Webster. Medical. Side notes. And then, yes, I am now a community manager. So we have a like a micro community within our company called Osmosis Medical Education Fellows, OMEF for short. I will refer to them as such. So it's an application only facet of global students since, mm, well, I have been at this since fall 2019. And anything from troubleshooting to one-on-ones, hosting town halls, coordinating skill building sessions that are specifically aligned. And, you know, gamification, tracking, data analysis. Community managers want to hear all that, too. So, yes, I do that as well. But what don't we do? (laughs) Which hat don't we wear, I guess, is I also have worn the voiceover hat at some point. (laughs) Yeah, you have a great voice, so I can see that for sure. Oh, well, thank you. Podcasting is my calling. Okay, so then question, because your community members are students, right? So they enter the community when they become a student, and then do they leave the community? Like, do you have a churn rate when people are no longer students? We have a churn rate, and uh, it is definitely very different than I would say a whole host of other communities. Medical students are a wildly different set of people. So The biggest challenge is figuring out how to retain students. If we don't attract students in their first or second year of med school, which is typically four years over here in the U.S. and Canada, or six, seven, or eight years outside the U.S., right? So it varies greatly. We may not be able to retain them once they get into those upperclassmen levels because a big facet of our community is hosting events. Pre-COVID, in real life was great and preferred. Post-COVID, Totally fine being virtual, but also they may now be residents. Like if you watch Grey's Anatomy or anything like that, you know, now they're not even in school. They're practicing. They're in clinicals and rotations. These are 18-hour days or more. They're in the emergency room. They certainly couldn't possibly do that. So they just can't, um, not for lack of wanting to stay. And yeah, it is difficult. Once they hit years three, four or similar abroad, they really can't be an OMF anymore. They can become a regional lead, which is a 
a separate leadership role. It is compensated uh, where they oversee a smaller cohort and gain skills in that regard. But, you know, eight to 10 of them out of 100, it's tough, tough, competitive. Yeah. And so I guess, I mean, a lot of communities track churn rate as something that they need to improve. Like if they have too high a churn rate, they ask, why are people leaving? But right, what are some of the ways that you're tracking success, even though people are leaving all the time? <laughs> Definitely a great point. And those communities that are tracking churn, I would think are trying to scale. And we are not. So we're not really trying to go beyond probably max would even be 150 students in a, in a cohort because we also move on a semester basis. So I'm about to go on hiatus April 30th, have the summer to reassess everything and then starting in August. So again, really different than most other communities. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I track the, the churn, but I guess more importantly, what I track are user-generated content. We have referral campaigns. We have monthly meetings where they learn different skills. I have surveys that I send once a month where I compile questions from different teams, product, sales, you know, what have content. And so they're able to get feedback in that way. So those are more of the of the important spots. Um, we're tracking the number of attendees per event, who's having these events. We can't have too many students at the same school. I also have to know how big the school is to determine. Right? So there are a lot of um, caveats, which is different and time consuming in truth, because uh, there are a lot of med schools out there. <laughs> so churn is an important metric if you're trying to scale. If you're looking at engagement metrics, it becomes more of the content that our OMFs are creating on behalf of Osmosis. Yeah, that makes sense. And so is that kind of one of the differences you would say? You mentioned that this is a micro community, right, within the mm. greater community. Mm -hmm. So what are the differences between micro communities and high growth communities other than some of the metrics that they measure? Mm. Uh, you know, I use the term micro community. I don't even know if it's a thing, but I'm just out here tossing it around. And um, you heard it here first, people. I, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Coin me. Yeah, I think that one of the biggest differences is how high touch we are. So like I said, I, I have my regional leads of which there are eight to 10 and I have, essentially, they're like my direct reports. So I have, you know, one-on-one -on -one calls with them. I have one-on-one -on -one calls with my OMFs. They're hitting me up all the time. I would say a third of my time is in direct communication on phone or video with people in my community. They know me. They know where I'm headed. They know I'm about to go to Niagara Falls in my camper van. Like, <laughs> we are in each other's lives. And there is a lot of space for, we have um, monthly challenges. So there are different things that OMFs can come up with and we can initiate. For example, we had a spread joy month in February and we have on osmosis, there is a backslash spread dash joy and you can send e-cards uh, that relate to anything in the world, to anybody you want in the world. And so we were tracking that, like how much joy did you spread uh, Spread, and you, you know, receive a badge. Okay. And uh, it's nice and it's like intrinsically motivating, but I think that's the biggest difference is how high touch and, and how much direct communication I'm in, because that makes it very difficult to have any brain time to ideate and think of ways to track and f create trends over time and then analyze it. You know, I don't know how most other community managers started, but all of those things I learned on the way. So data analysis, like 
a YouTube playlist of videos. I learn how to do this and what does it mean? And I always think it's more than it is, you know? So yeah, high touch. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think you're right that there, you know, there's probably this line that you cross when you start out and you're building the community or you're in a smaller community or I guess micro community, then you're doing those high touch points. You're doing things that can't scale like video calls and one-on-one conversations. But then as you grow, there is definitely like a line you cross where, okay, now things are automated and you take some of those touch points away. Yep. Absolutely. And delegation is great. I'm sure many community managers are by themselves. So I am solo and I'm also under the people team, not the marketing team. So it's even more so like people centric, you know, lovey-dovey. And uh, I rely on my regional leads who are also students. They are upperclassmen, so they don't have all that much time, but they can help me compile information. Maybe they're learning how to do a research project and they can transfer those skills over here and help me figure out, you know, what am I seeing in this data? (laughs) So that's been totally very beneficial. And so, I mean, obviously delegation is a key component, but you're some of the stuff you're explaining is like so there's so many things that you're doing and yeah time consuming is is a great word to describe it so how do you mm-hmm. avoid burnout like how do you make sure that as a solo community manager you're not coming to the end of your rope all the time <laughs> yes i have to take an lol at that because uh burnout <laughs> just what a word I, I don't even know if we can use a different and better word now, because burnout just seems to be the status quo, like the foundational Mm. level of where everyone's at. And uh, especially in community and especially because I work at a medical education company. So in particular, we were hit in terms of everyone just taking on way more. So personally, figuring out a balance is of the utmost importance to me. I'm an only child, so already I've always needed my own time and I have ensured it. I don't have a problem putting up professional boundaries. So I've instituted for myself no meeting Wednesdays and by and large, people will adhere to that. You know, things come in here and there, but I need a whole day to sometimes just think about the things I'm doing. I also have slow mornings now. So my manager and a lot of my team is in the Pacific Coast, which happens to work out well for me. I'm in the East Coast and I start work at 10. So I wake up at seven and I like move slowly and I do all my like joyous things in my morning and then I can set my day right. And then I've started journaling in that time, which has been lovely. (laughs) I just didn't recognize how imperative that was. Maybe I wasn't ready for it, but those are my bigger things. I think maybe a side note, a a postscript to any and everyone is how much relief you feel when you engage in direct communication and that spreadeth outwards and people respond in like fashion because it is time consuming to just go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth via email because no one really is just saying what they need. (laughs) So (laughs) that's a huge boundary that I think more people would do well with inputting. Yeah, I love all of those. I love the idea of slow mornings, especially. And that's something that I've been for myself personally, like seeing on my calendar that when I have a call and it's like the first thing in my day, that doesn't give me Mm. enough time to prepare. And then I feel like I'm jumping right in. And so I love the idea. Now I have a name, slow mornings. So we can talk about it in my team too. Coining it again. Yes. I know, Victoria, you're on fire. (laughs) 
it's working. And that's, I mean, I think that's also a really good point, setting expectations. So not just with your boss or anything, but your community as well, letting them know that, yeah, I might be taking this day off. I might be driving my camper van to Niagara Falls. I'm not going to be on Facebook or I'm not going to be on the community for this certain amount of time. I think it's totally okay to take time away from your community and your members will most likely understand. I can't remember where I read, but it was something along the lines of, if you can go on vacation for a week and your community doesn't implode, stagnate, or blow up, you've done it. Like that's <laughs> a success in community. Not quite there yet, but working toward that. So yeah, definitely feel it. <laughs> I remember it was Elizabeth Kinsey from Slack did a talk at CMX Summit. And ever since I always think about it, it's like the bus plan. Other people call it the lottery yep. plan. Like if you got hit by a bus <laughs> or more positively won Yikes. the lottery. Right. Yeah. Like what would your community do? What would come of your community? So yeah, I love that. Putting those things in place to keep the community yes. engine running all the time with or without you. 110%. Okay. I could just chat with you for way longer, but <laughs> this is a bite-sized podcast. And so I have right. one last question for you. If you could go for lunch with someone in the community industry, who would you want to meet? Well, I cheated a little bit on this one because I have met already the person that I really wanted to meet, which is I was really fortunate to be introduced to who is now my mentor from Code Academy, my community manager, Elisa Vigil. And she's only in New York and I am too, but, you know, COVID and we're far and whatever. So we actually were able to meet, uh, walk around and have a coffee in, yeah, the top of Central Park. And it was as glorious as I anticipated. So I know that's a cheat answer, <laughs> but it uh, really brightened my day and so on. So I feel like it counts. I think it counts. I still Thank am you. like reeling over when I met Laura Nessler, who I okay, was like so. hard fangirl over Laura Nessler. Right. And then I met her and was like, oh, this is You're everything like, yep, I dreamed it would be. <laughs> Yes, 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 yes. I know. So good. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Victoria. This has been a total pleasure to have you today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time on this Bite Size. <laughs> bite Size Community Corner. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I feel like I've never said that more often in a community podcast than I did in this one. So <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> Thanks, Victoria. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening. If you liked the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to learn more about how to create your own community, go to pod.bevy.com. That's pod.bevy.com. This is the Community Corner, and I'm Beth McIntyre. <laughs>